Yeah, here. We're fine. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Get in the Garage. A music podcast. For music lovers. I am Mike here with Luke and a stone-faced Jeff. I'm going to start every episode just staring at the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Please do. It sets the tone. It's an ominous tone. Speaking of ominous tones, (laughs) we're going to talk about jazz today. (laughs) (laughs) There are some good tones. Very good tones. We each picked... One album each. Yes. All yep. the albums, I think, were recorded in the 1950s. The, the, yes. The greatest period in jazz music, in my opinion. Yeah, like, 100%. Un, sorry, Charlie Parker, but basically once you died and then for the next six years is like the best jazz music ever made. Yeah. What do you know about Benny Goodman, bro? Get out. Those, well, those looks like, have you heard of that Count Basie? <laughs> it's a joke. I'm not that. It's, it's, yeah, it's just... It, all that stuff in the mid late fifties, it's like so crystal clear and yeah, man. And it's yeah, great music, beautiful. Yeah. Um, well, let's kick into it, right? We have two of them actually up behind us. The third we don't have, but so my pick is introducing Johnny Griffin. Luke is Sun Ra, Sun Song, and Jeffrey is Ahmad Jamal. And the name of the record is I don't know, Live oh. at the Pershing. Yeah, Live at the Pershing. But there's like a title like attached, attached yeah, to it. Yeah, whatever it is. I never yeah. remember what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get out my phone when I feel like it. Okay. I can't get mine out today. I feel you can use I feel mine. vulnerable. I have the computer, though, so I'll be all right. Um, all right. Well, Jeff, why don't you lead us off, man? You all can right. go with your... Oh. Um, <laughs> he said... He said... Whenever he gets his phone up. Uh, that is Ahmad Jamal at the Pershing, but not for me. But is not for me, right? subtitle. Right. Is there Correct. a date on there? The date of this album. 1958, baby. 1958. Okay. Uh, So this is an album uh, by piano virtuoso Ahmad Jamal, uh, recorded in Chicago at the Pershing Hotel in what I assume was the ballroom or some kind of dining room or bar or whatever they had there in the south side of Chicago, 63rd. And hmm, don't remember, but south side Chicago. Uh, yeah, it was a piano trio, and it was a Majamal on piano, Israel Crosby on bass, and Vernel Fournier, later known as Amir Rushton, on drums. Um, a trio of black musicians who had been in Chicago for a little bit of time, if not longer, and it's a live album cut uh, from, I think it was like forty-five songs. And they selected eight songs for this record release. It is a crispy, less than 31 minutes album. Uh, it is, it's live, live. So you hear like you, some silverware and glasses and a little bit of muffled talk. Yeah, you know, I love that. Talking, talking, but. Um, it's a very much like nightclub atmosphere. It's a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And I assume it was like a whole. Maybe not like the dinner rush, but I would think it, if it was forty-five songs, I'm 
maybe recorded from eight to midnight or eight to one or I'm, mm. I'm, yeah, I think it, it was like a couple of sets with breaks in between. So right. I think like playing for like pretty much all night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Ahmad is. Uh, I chose this record because the last time we did jazz picks, I picked like Cuban jazz by Dizzy Gillespie. Mm. That was like very uh, kind of tribal and like earthy and all that stuff and for this selection i wanted to choose something that's a little bit more sophisticated i guess by the like general definition of what that is yeah um and ahmad jamal is one of my favorite piano players he is like the master at the high like two octaves that really plinky like crazy delicate articulate stuff on the high notes um my introduction to ahmad jamal was when i was going through my like starting to love jazz music phase when I was nine or 10 years old. And I would, I would take out every album that was in the library and stuff. And, mm. you know, you could, you could borrow like two at a time from one library, three at a time from another library. I'd always have like stacks of CDs. I was borrowing from different libraries. <laughs> um, I still owe books to the Slater library. <laughs> oh, we'll get those, those late fees. I think they cap it at $10. So I think you're fine. <laughs> It's the same price as it was as when this album came out, actually. <laughs> Ten cents. You can't yeah. show my face in this library. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I first heard Ahmad Jamal um, playing a cover of Waltz for Debbie, which was um, made famous by Bill Evans' version. And I just remember the introduction. It said, uh, and now, ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous genius of the piano, Mr. Ahmad Jamal. And then he starts playing because it was like a live cut on a comp- greatest hits compilation. And it's true. He is a real genius at like mm. that beautiful, twinkly stuff. It very like light, fast, fleety fingers, um, but also can really do those very smooth ballads very beautifully. Mm. And he's not like a, it's not like Liberace or like some showboating, like kind of stuff. It's, it's very like fits the song and very, um, minimal or you know when he is doing like kind of boppy like it's very yeah what's needed it's not just like a lot of random notes um and the other guys are great it's a great trio it's it's hot shit it's it's um it's eight tracks and they're all they are all covers primarily of like musical theater songs Hmm. that were big in the mid 30s to mid 40s so when I was doing a little bit of research about the background of this recording, I was thinking like, so this trio, Ahmad Jamal was in his late twenties. Um, the other two guys were within like seven, eight years of the same age. And they're playing like a repertoire that was like the pop songs of their parents' generation. Yeah. So you got like just picturing them at this like very big hotel in Southside Chicago, black owned hotel. Um, famous like site of like a lot of racial segregation conflicts and blah, 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 blah. And um, just like in a very thriving black neighborhood of like, this is an, an epicenter for this culture, for jazz and for this, for black culture. And they're playing like the nighttime background music for like 50 and 60 year olds, I assume. Cause maybe some, maybe some kids are there, but it seemed like it was more like an older audience and it was like them busting out the hits that everybody there would know. 
not necessarily like trying to break new ground. There's no originals on this album, but it's like the best version of interpreting music that's not really of your generation and like kind of giving it back in your own flavor and your own vocabulary musically. Especially because it's like a trio and like all these recordings were big band in Mm -hmm. their original format. So it's almost like... yeah. It's like taking like this crazy thing and like just playing it with like an acoustic guitar. So like that is also like the where a lot of the flavor is like um so the track uh, Moonlight in Vermont like oh, that song. Yeah. Like, I was gonna cite that one. Too. Yeah, that's like the killer yeah. of the album. Yeah. That um I heard that tune actually for the first time I think on a Benny Goodman record a couple weeks ago. What I, do you know about Benny Goodman? <laughs> right, because I was spinning a Benny uh, Goodman record. We need the, the soundboard back. Uh, <laughs> I looked up <laughs> just clarinets. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry, um sorry. no you're right but um i was like actually just looking up that song a couple weeks ago and then have mm. it come on here i was like oh yeah yeah, yeah. and then mm, i'm like okay yeah. i see what they're doing you know what i mean and it's yeah. um like that's a such a beautiful song and what a, like a great ballad yeah, yeah. um yeah. also like you know as i claimed last week shout out to new england yeah. <laughs> shout yeah. out to new england true yeah bro we had a whole conversation where i was like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna Vermont. take i'm gonna take arrows oh in yeah. the battle of like if if I get to claim like a band regionally like I'm mm-hmm. I, they're in my my grasp yeah 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 and uh, this this album sold a lot it's a very big album um, Poinciana his version of that it, jazz standard is like thank you for pronouncing one. that you're you're welcome because I was like I'm not gonna say it all out first. it's basically a Spanish poinsettia <laughs> say it again Poinciana thank you um, and. Uh, it's like like Pocahontas. <laughs> Poinciata is like it's very just like kind of chords with the melody slipped in there, and and the drum beat is like doom 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 yeah. like with these cool toms. Um, a couple of these tracks, I I mean I've I've been familiar with his music for over twenty years, but um, I liked in the Wolf of Wall Street uses two of the tracks from this album on mm. that soundtrack. Surrey with the fringe on top. And Moonlight and Vermont are both in that movie. Oh, I didn't even know yeah. that. No shit. Yeah. That's cool. Um, because this is like the music that like evokes like kind of that like upper class fancy pants jazz yeah, piano music. You know what's you know, funny? Like, like, yeah, when I was listening to him, <clears throat> I don't know. This might be a, this might be a stretch. I don't know. But I feel like he is very like very much the jazz version of an Eric Satier. You know Eric Satier? He did the he he was like a French. I mean, would you call it an impressionist composer? If it's, I think it's like from that era. But but it's like all dialed back. We'll we'll have to. I'll I'll play you Mm. a track afterwards, and you'll know immediately what you're listening Mm. to. But um, but yeah, like I just I love the minimalism. I think it's so brave too to just go out as a trio. Yeah. Just go out as a trio, and so and you're the piano man. The melody all sits on your shoulders. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like at least with a you know a four or five piece band, you can kind of like rotate in and out. You know what I mean? Like you do the, like the main phrase of the song, you know, and everybody has their turn. He's got to carry it the whole time. And that's, I saw some criticisms of him. Yeah. What was it? A 1958 downbeat Fuck review you. was mildly negative, referring to it as uh, playing cocktail music. But my thing is like, that's, that's what but, it fucking was. I mean, right. But what I'm saying is what's, what's wrong with that? That's what I mean. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I mean, I suppose at the time, especially if it's 1958, there's a lot happening. So I guess people are critics. But the critics well, are critical. But the musicians are the ones who are like, no, this guy's got it. I mean, you got to think like kind of blue is what, 58, 59? 
kind of 59 blue. yeah 59 so i mean this is like high high art like standards like doing and doing them in like a cool original fresh way but mm-hmm. you gotta think like the other end of the breaking ground is like pushing a free jazz and but you also yeah. have this like weird movement of like towards the end of the 50s of like soul jazz and like smooth art you know what i mean like r&b jazz yeah so like and like the um this record reminded me a ton of um a record that came out in the 60s on the same label the argo label um the in crowd by uh ramsey lewis tree <clears throat> yeah this record reminds me of that record but this is like a classier version mm-hmm. of that record where this is like the cocktail hour high society of chicago a couple mm-hmm. years earlier like ran the ramsey lewis record is more of um like a college like like dance party yeah like Friday dance night. Pi- party yeah. jazz but mm-hmm. like yeah. it's the same almost the same vibe you know what i mean yeah so that's kind of where like I thought it was like mm. a, in a movement of like the R and B jazzy, mm. but it's like standards, you know. Yeah, I mean, this is as good as cocktail music, piano trio stuff gets, which is like yeah, like when you listen to it, it's the point of the, that was the gig. Yeah, yeah. Play, you're you're a bunch of twenty and early thirties guys hired at a swanky hotel, play stuff that people recognize, yeah. but don't take up a lot of musical space because it's fucking dinner time, right? You know, it's like, and he's, it's a great, great, great music, man. Like, I mean, he is on the short list of my favorite piano players, period. Um, Just stylistically and just his skills and his taste and his, his uh, interpretation of music. He's on the short list. He's, you know, he's in, he's always in the top five. Yeah. In my opinion, um, for me. I wasn't super familiar with him before mm-hmm. listening to this. And he's still alive. And I really, I he really is, enjoyed it. He is still alive. He's ninety-one years old. Yeah. When I looked it up, I yeah. was like, because I saw the Wikipedia picture, and I was like, what? He's still alive? I was because he looked. The picture looked yeah. like recent. I was like, oh, he's ninety-one. So is yeah. um. I don't know if he still plays, but uh, Sonny Rollins, right? He's still alive too. Sonny Rollins is, as far as I know, still alive. Um, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Let's look it up. Pretty crazy. As far as I know. <laughs> And Sonny Rollins, I don't even think is ninety yet. He is also ninety one. Oh, he is. 91. And his Wikipedia picture is crazy because <laughs> it's him when, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, when like he's eighty five years old. Yeah, probably, and his hair's gray. And it's yeah, just he's like, a boof. gray beard, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just the way the sun is shining. I'm sorry, the lighting is shining through like the back right. of his hair. It's like lit up purple. Yeah, it that's cool. the touch of God on his shoulders. Man. Yeah, man. Um, um, super conscious. Before we move on to, I just want to say, like, I know I talk about this record a lot, especially on, like, the Christmas episode we did, but um, if you're into the Charlie Brown Christmas record, and that's, like, if that's, like, the only jazz you know, this is perfect. You will love this record. There's no reason you shouldn't love this record, because that's, like, the only... This is an easy sidestep. Yeah, it's the only jazz record, like, that everybody likes. You'll like this as well, so... Yeah. Because it's it's the same instrumentation. If anything, it's anything... If anything, anything, if anything, if anything, New England coming out, uh, it's um, like it's less aggressive than like he's way less aggressive oh, yeah, than Vince very, Garaldi's like, piano playing. Like Vince Garaldi's way more like beboppy, right? You yeah. know, this is like way more relaxed. So yeah, yeah, man, this is like kick off your shoes, get home from work, put this thing on. It's a half hour. Yeah, I wonder if there's any like would, if it's available uh, for the the total forty three recorded so. tracks. I don't think so, but he did. It's probably a, in a vault somewhere. He mm-hmm. did. Well, he did do. There is a second live at the Pershing, 
But I don't know if that was a second recording or if that's additional tracks. Uh, okay. But there is a like a part of volume two or whatever. I'm a, I bet I bet you that I'm gonna make this prediction now within the next five years. This one here. Within the next five years, there's gonna be a record store day oh, release. Luke, Luke found it. No, I'm pretty no. sure there was a um full like Ahmad Jamal uh, uh, for the Argo label. I think there's like a box set that exists. Yeah. So he did a volume two release three years later. Yeah. So and I then assume that's a different chord. There's uh, also a cross-country tour from uh, 58 to 61, so being like the same years. Uh, yeah, if you like Vince Guaraldi, if you like Bill Evans, if you like Red Garland, if you like Errol Garner, like this, you know... He's Ahmad Jamal, yeah, the genius of the piano. Very, Very classy. True. Very classy. Great record. Made me want to look it up and like get the record. So, mm. and uh, not an expensive record to even get an original pressing of. It's only oh, like a twenty-five dollar no. record, if that. To answer your question, yes, the selections on the at the Pershing Volume Two are selections from the same. January 1958 oh, okay. engagement at the Pershing oh. Lounge. Because yeah, I yeah, have, yeah. I you know, I listened to Volume Two a lot. I chose Volume One because it's more well known. So I just wanted to highlight that. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, it's from the same. Nice. Um, yeah, because Volume Two is also short. That's probably thirty-five minutes as well. Um, it doesn't have a run. But right, it's like ten tracks here. probably. Uh, eleven. If that, yeah, yeah. So Amad yeah. Jamal, but not for me. Yes, live at the Pershing. Check it out, man. Yeah. yeah. Piano Trio. Also, uh, the complete Ahmad Jamal Trio is uh, available from the Argo label. So I'm guessing if there's anything that was from those sessions, it's on that box. It's a nine CD set. So Only available on CD? Uh, probably. I don't think it's... I didn't really yeah. look it up, but it's I'm going to imagine. It's probably only available on CD. <laughs> right on. All right. Well, there you have it. Luca, shall you... Uh... <laughs> Good sound effects. Now that we're cracking open a new uh, a new album, crack open a new sure uh, non sponsored um, seltzer water. It's from Aldi. Aldi. It's no, no brand. Uh, Aldi's. Aldi's. Okay. Aldi's nuts. Aldi's nuts. Across the street from Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> Got to eat your soda. <laughs> anyway, carry on. It's weird. We drop some R's, but we we just magically create them at some, uh, on the other end. Do not include me in that we, because I <laughs> well, never have, and I never no, will. No, nor will I, but we all know one. Uh, we, we all know some one. Some of us have many of them in our family. Hey, man. It's from New England. <laughs> from Norwich. Do you ever have an English teacher that says, I dear? Norwich. Or, uh, yeah, I dear. Norwich. 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 I'm here to talk about Sun Ra. If this is our intermediate episode, we're moving on a little bit. Um, yeah. Let's get – Sun Ra is uh, – Can we – Yeah, we definitely can. On. We can't move on without fixing this. We're going to fix the mic here as we as we move on. There we go. Um, so Sun Ra is a – Well, can we – can you read – I want you to read the first paragraph while describing Sun Ra. That's what I want you to read. <laughs> I just want you to read this paragraph as his description. Born and raised in Alabama – Blout, his uh, original name, became involved in the Chicago jazz scene during the late 1940s. He was soon ab- he soon abandoned his birth name, taking the name Lee Sunray Ra, shortened to Sun Ra, after the after Ra, the Egyptian god of the sun. 
claiming to be an alien from Saturn, on a mission to preach peace. He developed a mythical persona, an an idiosyncratic credo that made him a pioneer of Afrofuturism, mentioned on last week's episode. Throughout his life, he denied ties to his prior identity, saying, Any name that I use other than Ra is a pseudonym. Thank you. So that is Sun Ra. Wow. From Saturn. Xenu would be proud. (laughs) Yes. So Sun Ra pretty much was like one of the first like David Bowie type characters who was like, I'm born out of nowhere. I'm like going to take on this whole thing. Um, it for that too, he was like the first person in jazz in like that whole scene to like really take on like obviously the pursuit, uh, like the Afrofuturism, yeah, uh, the, the whole e- persona, yeah, and the we'll say Egyptian. first pop popular because yeah, the first there like, could have been other Saturnians before him. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes, but um, he pretty much took this on and really um, like just arrived in New York and. <laughs> 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 yes. Oh, actually, Chicago first, where this was made. He went to Chicago first, then yep. New York. But um, yeah. so he was pretty much centered around Chicago. And in the fifties, like um, we were talking about earlier in the last record, there's more of like a small trio um thing going on in the hard bop, bebop scene. Um, so you pretty much have like you know uh like trumpet, a sax player, uh keyboards uh bass drummer like that's yeah. pretty much your lineup for everything so uh sun Ra led a big band with multiple instruments um he pioneered the uh electric keyboard in jazz mm-hmm. um and all that stuff so anyways yeah. these are big band arrangements and they were they're pretty out there um like just mm. they're pretty out there in the sense of mm. a big band um but they're also mm pretty conventional mm. in a lot yeah. of senses so that's yeah. why i like chose it because it's like dipping your feet in the weird but mm. it's not like super weird it's not it's not like a late coltrane at newport or where it's, it's just like it's mm. not like a sun rob recording where it sounds like uh he shook like um you know like sheet metal for like five minutes like who's doing that i have like a sun rob record if you want to oh, take it out oh, later oh, where it's oh, like okay. Can I study with a private teacher to learn how to sheet metal? <laughs> yes, I have one. He's from Saturn. Hold on, let me go. <laughs> let me make a transmission. Let, let me beam him in. <laughs> so, um, um, can we say the name of this record? Yeah. So the name of this record. This is Sun Ra's first release. It's yep. called um, Sun Sun uh, Sun Songs or the Jazz of Sun Ra, which yep. it was originally released yeah. as. And this is his debut. Yeah, his first. First thing like that was ever put to wax. Yeah. Um, he, was, he was in his mid forties when this was released because he was born in the teens, nineteen fourteen, fifteen, or something. Right. So this, this is also from fifty six, fifty seven, something. Recorded fifty six, uh, released yeah. fifty seven. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So like this is strange. Like you were saying too. Like those were young guys in the last record playing mm-hmm. standards. This is like a guy of that age, like playing the music of his childhood. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. Like, these are mostly original tunes, but it's, mm-hmm. like, his take on that kind of music. Mm-hmm. Um, so, first of all, like, the instrumentation's pretty out there. It's got, like, a timpani solo. Yeah, you know, um, when that comes in on the second track, I was like, now it's a Sun Ra record. <laughs> right, so, like, the... That's on the track Call for All Demons. Yeah. It's just one of the best things, like, I've ever heard in that jazz. Because, like, he that hits the timpani song. and he bends it, so it's... And it's like going in and out of pitch. Yeah. It's so 
mm-hmm. it's such an original idea and it's something you've never really heard before yeah. right it's and it just sounds that's why this record still sounds fresh to me who just as a just as a what this song made me think of call for all demons this is the one that sounds like when in Dumbo during the elephants on parade section where they're like salsa dancing, it's like it, it's like that vein. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where it has oh, like, yeah. Dick, 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 oh, the clave dick, stuff. Dick, all of yeah. It. yeah. 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 Like that stuff. It's like so like. Right. You, it's so good because I think his band is big. Like he has that punch. Like the whole thing yeah. just happened. You know what I mean? These are pretty you. conventional songs. They aren't super space explorations they are yeah they're like normal tracks yeah, yeah they're big band songs yeah there's no song on over here on like that's over the five minute mark either mm-hmm. so like there's that um uh the side two opener uh lullaby for uh realville uh the hand claps in there those were like such like a r&b influence mm-hmm. thing that like i dug that i was like you could use that today and it would still sound good yeah um the last song, though, the closer, Sun Song, mm. probably the most experimental track on the record. Mm. Mm. Um, it's got electric keyboards in it. Um, Hammond organ. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. yeah. So for me, like that is like mm. the probably the, the most unconventional thing in the record, but one of the most beautiful thing on the records. It's like yeah. such a great mood piece. Um, I feel like uh, everything on here is rather cinematic, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um. Like you said, like it would be great to score to old Disney, um, like mm-hmm. works and like yeah. Shocker. Sun Ra is a big Walt Disney fan. Mm. Uh, Sun Ra covers mm. uh, Elephants on Parade. By the way, look it up. Oh, does he? Hell yeah. Oh shit. Okay. It's so he has an orchestra of elephants playing. Didgeridoos. <laughs> <laughs> Ten thousand didgeridoos. Somebody cut it with the um the um the film. On YouTube, so if you like, uh, oh, yeah. look it up on YouTube. You can watch it with his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it's cool. it's super super good. That it's very cool. Sun Ra. Uh, it sounds a lot like this record, to be honest with you. So yeah. it's not that far off from it. But um, yeah, it's cool how it's like not it's jazz, but it is in a way sort of like old school like film score. Vibe, yeah, you know? I, he was very influenced by um this musical genre that emerged basically in between World War II and Korean War called Exotica, which is like this lounge tiki tiki bar music that's like trying to evoke kind of that like Eastern Asian and yeah. kind of like jungle music. And it's a little bit mixed with Bossa Nova. Um, and he was very influenced by these like, uh, like <laughs> theremin recordings <laughs> and, and yeah. All that like sci-fi score music from the late '40s, early '50s. Um, you can hear some of the influence on this record. He, the one non-original on that record is by Harry Ravel, who was a guy who composed like weird. I mean, not weird, but like exotica and sci-fi music with theremin and all that kind of stuff. So, like, there's tracks where you hear that's Possession, I believe, is the Harry Ravel song. But you hear tracks yep. where it's like some of the percussion is like a jangle of like what would yeah, you, wind it, chimes maybe it, and stuff. Yeah, and, and it like, almost sounds like like keys and like yeah. it's like tingly. It's almost right. like it has like a um, ASMR kind of right. thing going on in the background of yeah. a lot of it. And and the instrumentation, um, I forget the man's name, but like the Barry Sachs guy played with him until they died, until the early 90s. And um, so having like that Barry Sachs and the timpani and the – 
you know, like it's a very wide sonic palette, so it's like a very deep, thick, rich sound. Yeah. Um, you're thinking of John Gilmore. Yes. Yes. And um, well, let me make sure. Uh, John Gilmore's on tenor sax. We Pat have... Patrick is yeah, the Pat ba- Patrick's sax on. player. Um, but those two players did play yeah, with him yeah. until. Patrick, yeah. Oh, and, and I love Barry Sox, man. Might be yeah, my favorite. I mean, this album to me, like, I, I'm i more familiar with the Sun Ra stuff when it gets really wacky in, like, the mid-60s. I had never heard this record before. Um, I love this. Like, I like his later, more experimental stuff, too. But this was, like, it was pretty conventional. It was it was kind of like um, what Birth of the Cool, the Miles Davis non-tet or yes. whatever that is, yeah. where it is kind of some strange instrumentation because he has like a tuba and French horn in a big band setting, but it's that kind of thick, rich, dense sound. And this actually like clarity wise, you can hear the things a little better on the Sun Ra and it's like pretty straightforward jazz. Like if someone said, if you were to suggest a Sun Ra record, I would suggest this first because this would, I don't think this could turn anybody off. This is very pleasing. Yeah. Beautiful well, music. Yeah, that's why. Sure. That's why I like wanted to pick a Sun Ra record because like people like when you hear Sun Ra, like that's what you you're like. Oh, he's a, he's a goddamn weirdo. It's the same shit with like Captain Beefheart. Yeah. But then you're right. like, oh, but then you're like Captain Beefheart's first record is right. so accessible and super easy to listen to. Yeah. It's great. It's one of the best records of the '60s. Yeah. Same thing with this. This is like so accept because this yeah. was I walked into the record store, was curious about Sun Ra. Mm-hmm. This was there, and this is the one I bought. Yeah. Brought it home, and I was like, oh. I love instantly love it. Didn't yeah. have to work on it at all. Yeah, so right. that's where I was like, this is because then you can be like, I do enjoy Sun Run. It's not so tabooed and like yeah. um, too cool for school. You know mm. what I mean? So yeah. like that's why I wanted to choose something. like Yeah, this, this is perfect. Like wake up in the morning and put this on immediately. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah that's it, what I literally did. That that's this what morning. I did too. <laughs> I didn't have time this week to listen to these a lot. So that yeah. I had to cram them all this morning. At 8 yeah, yeah, but. Yeah. And it has like, um, the one more thing I want to say, it's got like the great muted trumpet sound. Yeah, the Harmon mutes. Yeah, yeah like the, there's one chorus that's like, yeah. and then the berries like, like yeah. hitting the um the act like the the whatever the returns on it. But it's yeah. like yeah. that like contrast of all that going on, mm-hmm. and it's multiple, so it's almost got like the Phil Spectory approach to it it's yeah. it's really wonderful. i went deep on mutes i heard those mutes happening and i was like oh let me research trumpet mutes <laughs> yeah because there's that one solo that's like yeah. it's very informative the wikipedia page <laughs> on trumpet mutes on trumpet mutes because there are a bunch and i i'm pretty familiar since my dad's a brass player but it's cool like if you check out the wikipedia page yeah mutes and then like use in trumpet it actually describes each mute each type of mute and the characteristics and mutes are basically just high uh they're low pass filters Mm -hmm. so but it says like the harmony mute lets notes from 800 uh, kilohertz to 1800 kilohertz come through and it's cool to like look at that and be like that's what these guys are doing this is like that was like live music mixing and tweaking is you know that's why they came up with mutes is to be like i want to get a sound that's like higher and further away sounding Mm. my favorite mute is a hat the hat, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a good one. It's like a plunger. Yeah, yeah. I like. I love the plunger too. So like, dope. I like the Harmon the most. The Harmon is like the it's the brightest, most. That's like the the Miles Davis, and yeah. a lot of Harmon stuff. 
Um, but a cup mute is nice. It's like, like the one, yeah, the, cool. yeah, the ones on this record are, are like insane sound. It's very cool. Yeah, I think they're Harmons, and if not Harmons, they're like straight mutes. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, it's a great right record, and it's one of those records where you, you, I'm not gonna lie, it's one of those records where you feel way cooler after being like, oh yeah, I'm in the sun raw. So like, yeah, that, oh, yeah. enjoy. Yeah. Your and that closer, man. Enjoy you your know, hierarchy. Oh, shout- finishing with the Hammond organ. Oh, Sun Songs is like the be- yeah. one. It's the most. <sighs> it's a great. It was a great flow of an album. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, so quick shout out to a new listener, our friend Jesse. So he told me a story. Jesse Katsinopoulos. Yeah, Jesse Katsinopoulos. Actually, it's Jesse Constantinopoulos, Papa Papa Lava Makis, Pulos, Pulos, hyphen Pulos. But um, no, uh, uh, I basically, you know, I, I work at this kid, so yep. the guy rather, um, and he told me how like he was listening to this album because he's like, oh, I told him I was like, hey man, we're gonna do jazz for the next one. Do you want me to just tell you what the albums are if you want to listen to them before we drop the the, the episode? Yep. And uh, he told me that. He was like in his kitchen with this on a like a Bluetooth speaker, and he was doing like, you know, like exercises and like stretches and like lunges and like high kicks and stuff in his kitchen to this record. <laughs> or maybe if it was in his dining room, the way his house is set, it could have been in his dining room. I'm not sure where he was, sure. but um, possibly in the living room. Open floor plans. But he's, he's like chopping onions and doing lunges at the same time. <laughs> but no, but I I guess he told me that. Uh, so he's you know yeah. he's doing like high kicks, and his husband walks into the room and, and he sees. Him doing like high kicks, listening to Sun Ra, <laughs> and he's like, "What the fuck are you listening to?" He's wearing a tinfoil hat yeah, and, a ro- and a robe. Are you saying we got Jesse to listen to a Sun Ra record? Yes, we did, baby. Well, wow, we're changing hearts wow. and minds. Yeah, man. Open up. I don't know if he's a huge jazz fan, but I don't. I mean, I don't think so. But um, these th- you don't have to be jazz, right? But that's what I mean. That's three albums, right? They're so yeah. approachable, yeah. but they're also like there's a little bit of the that yeah. that sort of yeah. You know. Anyway, uh, let's take a quick break. We come back. We'll cover my last one. Sounds good. Wow. Wow. A music podcast. A music podcast. Peaks is a show in which comedians have lively discussions about the most memorable peak periods of the actors, musicians, and athletes that dominated pop culture. John Koppel and a guest break down what each celebrity accomplished, why that person's work resonated with so many of us, will cause the peak to end, and so much more. All of season one is out now for your binging pleasure, and season two features breakdowns of icons like Mike Tyson, John Candy, and Leonardo DiCaprio. You can subscribe to Peaks wherever you listen to your podcast, and as always, it's brought to you by our friends at the Wasted Robot Network. My jam is... That is my jam, maybe. On the second album, he's like, I can't be satisfied what you want me to do. Mm. So glam. Yeah. Glamorous. Welcome back, by the way, everyone. Luke's got a guitar. I'm eating an orange. I bought my my, um, Electroharmonics Bad Stone Phaser. Not because... Kevin Parker from Tame Impala uses it on many songs, but because that is the sound of Big Star's Ballad of El Goodo. Mm. That there that, it is. That that I do love a good phaser though. Seven early seventies phaser man, and the Bad Stone is the one for me. Because I think that's a that's a six stage phaser. I don't know. 
as opposed. I haven't nerded the, out the, Guitar Gear in such a long time. The a lot most phases are four stage, but I believe it's a six stage. So it has like a much a wider, wider sweep. Oh, yo! Speaking of guitar shit, please. If I have it. to watch, this is have to. If I did see we clap what, yet? I forgot that. Yeah. If I okay. see one more video. Of somebody going, what does a four thousand dollar guitar sound like versus a three hundred dollar guitar? I'm gonna murder somebody. I love when you I'm use the mic murder, like ice cream cone. Murder, murder somebody. Delicious. That video has been you done. You see the levels right now; they're going a, crazy. A, a gajillion times. We all know that the more expensive guitar probably sounds. It does probably doesn't sound that much, but it probably just plays better. Oh yeah. Also, here's the real so, fucking like, question: What amp are you using? Also, also, let's just talk. This is on the t- now it's on. It used to be a YouTube video, and there was a jillion and five YouTube videos. Yeah, now and dangerous with the hands here. Now <laughs> you're almost knocking cups over. We have TikTok, so now it's like a TikTok video. I don't give a shit what your guitar sounds like. Go eat, go, get get the hell eat, out. Of it. Go eat some fruit. I I I get out of here. I uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of those videos, and usually the more expensive one does sound slightly more. Slight, ever so slightly. slightly, but it's really you know what the difference between a two hundred dollar guitar and a two thousand dollar guitar is, um, the fucking edge of the frets that rip up your hands on a two hundred dollar guitar. Yeah, you yeah. ever play a two hundred dollar guitar and guitar yeah, center, not, yeah, and you're like, and oh fuck. Yeah, yeah you're like once in a while Ooh, you're good. trying to slide chords, and you're like, ah. Once fuck. in a while, you found like this crazy one that's just like, oh wow. Yeah, but like it, you, it's like a, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like we, that video is so nuts and it's mm-hmm. so dumb. It's like, yeah, you, you know what I mean. There's and a lot of those kinds of videos out so... now. Though. They're like, hey, you're playing it all wrong, and then they like do something stupid, ridiculous, and you're like, okay. word of advice: buy a buy a seven hundred dollar guitar. Yeah, yeah. Pay someone who knows what they're doing, a hundred to two hundred dollars, to spruce it up, and then yeah. never practice. Never practice. Cram it all the day before the gig. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about that? I did a rolling. gig last night. Did you? <laughs> Here we go. Okay, so I did a gig last night. Very fun um, at Strange Root Pub in Norwich. And we did the Guardians of the Galaxy Volumes 1 and 2 soundtracks. 21 songs. And um, I knew... I, I have played one of the 21 songs previously. <laughs> And I, so I had to learn 20 songs on keyboards, which is, I'd rather play guitar. I'm a little <laughs> yeah. better at guitar. Um, I played keyboards. I sang lead vocals on six of the songs, I think. And I learned t- all 20 of those songs in the three days before the gig yeah. because I'm a fucking idiot. Okay. <laughs> I am the meme where the guys look in the mirror. He goes, why are you like this? The, yeah. I am that guy yeah. oh, because I, I went, so am I. I went, you know what? I'll listen to this shit for like a week. I'll get it like up here in the noggin, which you really, for me personally, that's 90% of the work. Yeah. Um, but then I sat down on Wednesday afternoon and I'm like, why am I, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> why? 20 songs, one, two, three, go. But you know what? Uh, I did what I think is important, which is pra- really practice those first eight hard. Yeah. Know the first half of that set to be like, oh, impress people. The last six, seven songs, you know, people are gonna have a couple more drinks. It's jazz, baby. I'm looking down at my hands, and, uh, and you know, I'm luckily I'm playing keyboard, so it gives me kind of a reason to sit and have the iPad in front of me. 
and I'm looking down at my hands. I'm covering like a, a Wurlitzer part in one hand, a, a strings part in the other hand. I'm looking at the, at the iPad and kind of like peripheral at my hands and going, oh, these are not the right chords. <laughs> or <laughs> I'm thinking like A, D, E. And I'm looking at my hands. I'm like, uh-oh, wrong, wrong, wrong. Um, I yeah. quite enjoy that Raspberry song. Luckily, I got to sing lead vocals and only had to do string part, little like whole note things on the chorus. Nice. I like that song. Great soundtrack. Great time. I don't remember. I mean, I if I I couldn't name everybody's name, but maybe I could. But all the musicians I played with uh, was an excellent experience. No real practice. We got together and played through like some trouble spots for an hour beforehand. Uh, Packed house paid gig i didn't expect to get paid i assumed we might get some money paid more than i would think for a nine-piece band uh i think there were like 120 to 150 people came in there at some point nice nice. which is pretty much like packing it out um surprise hit of the night uh and another song that i practiced to death so it's gonna be great please is it the red bone tune um no because that i knew that would be a hit Oh, yeah, that was the second song, and that was the only song I knew going into the gig <laughs> beforehand. <laughs> um, the the surprise hit, which to me is not a surprise because it's a secret love. I love the song. Um, Escape the Pina Colada song. Oh, oh, because that that don't, oh yeah don't 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 every Karen in the building. Oh uh, like, no, every dude, jam. every single person, every twenty-one-year-old yeah. person, yeah, that's a great tune. Every twenty-two-year-old guy, every forty-year-old girl, every sixty-year-old woman, every like every, yeah. and singing along. Luckily, I got to sing lead vocals on that because I would, I would, you know, singing is the thing I want to do the most. Um, and that was a rocking rock to the house. And you just see a crowd of a hundred people like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um, my mom was obsessed with that song oh it was on like a island party cd oh, yeah. <laughs> island party hits all you bought it at like party studio or no yeah that's right so a successful gig fun gig yeah. played with a lot of great musicians uh that dog to that- a full house word of advice to any musicians out there pr- practice more than three days before the gig yeah like just do the week if you're feeling lazy. If you just give yourself you, at least seven days. I would, yeah, a week is good. Three days was a lot of cramming because it was basically like t- kind of learn everything the first day, brush up by the second day, and then the day of the gig, go. Well, the stuff that's good is good. The stuff that isn't, well, you'll see how it is on. Yeah. And to be fair, I I only felt like pretty like ooh about one song, yeah. and it was really just the outro. The outro. of Mr. Blue Sky, oh, where, it goes, Mr. Blue Sky. It. where it goes to a completely different key. And it, it is pretty simple. It's one, four, five, like, you know, with a pedal, one pedal. But still, I'm just like, oh, my God, I, I fucking didn't even, I didn't even Thanks learn these chords. It's a lot of yellow. It's a great song. I just, I hate the outro, though. Yeah. Because I'm just like, I just want more. I just want more like. Yeah, you just want that for yeah. I just want that the whole yeah. However long it is, it's just like after I hear like the first like turnaround on Layla, I'm like, all right, and skip. Yeah, like how much how much more gong? Great music, man. That that Raspberry song, that one was really good. Oh, and I got to the there were two songs on the list that were like honky tonk country piano. That as soon as I I listened to the to the playlist on Spotify, and I went, 
I'll never be able to play this. Like I'd have to be Neo in the matrix, like downloading a card of like 20 years of, of <laughs> piano lessons to be able to even attempt this. Yeah. Um, but luckily the trumpet player, Jack, he, he and I had been in contact before the gig and he's like, I'm playing trumpet, but honestly I am a keyboard player firstly. So like if you, if there's anything I could play keyboards on, like I would happily step in And I was like, please yeah. please please play this and, barrel and piano. he was like bah, 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 and then and it's like yeah i'm like step aside let me get back in and pound out quarter notes come let the monkey back the monkey back on the keyboard eddie van halen needs get out of here you scrub you you can't even play a whole note <laughs> yeah do you even know what the black keys do <laughs> <laughs> i'm eddie van halen and i need to play jump <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was a fun right time, man. Good, good. It was a successful and weekend. a sneaky thing. Not oh, sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. But um, the bass player Nick Kinselmo, who, out of all the people on stage, position-wise, I was like sideways against the wall, and the crowd was like over here. So I was sideways looking at the whole band. He's in the far corner. One, he pro- he had the best like communication, looking around, eyes, cues nodding stuff sight line and he's the bass player for marvelous liars oh and he's okay. the bass player for the franklin brothers band which is the new london steely dan jazz band uh so, so you got yeah i got to do a little bit of singing a little bit of monkey on the Wurlitzer keyboard you know i'm trying to slide into that try franklin to, brothers band try to talk to dan uh i would love to yeah yeah Anyway, right anyway, that was so, my night. That was my week. Yeah, wonderful, nice. Michael. Why don't you introduce us? Yeah, sorry, I'm to John. All right, so John. Okay, so my album selection is introducing Johnny Griffin. Uh, this album. <laughs> what? Did you like turn it around? And you're like, oh, yep, that's paper again. Yeah. All right, so yeah, I love the, I I really really love this album. Um, you have Max Roach on drums, incredible. And Winston same thing, Kelly on keyboards. Yeah, maybe? Winston Kelly, and then Curly Russell on bass. Yeah. Um, this is another one that's cool too. I mean, he has Winton uh, Winton Kelly on piano to kind of like lean on a little bit, yeah. but as being the only, you know, it's it's kind of like a very uh, you know, just like a classic sort of setup, and. Um, I like this album because I feel like like Luke and I were talking about it the other day and um I enjoy it from the perspective of kind of being like he in my opinion sort of bridges the gaps between like Cannonball Adderley and Coltrane. You know what I mean cuz he like he still does the tenor sax thing which is what Coltrane was doing in the beginning and he has that sort of Cannonball Adderley kind of like sweetness to the phrases that he plays. He can be explorative in sort of a Coltrane sense, but there's a sweetness to his playing. Um, and I just there's a key phrase. He's a smooth motherfucker. He's a smooth motherfucker, man. Yeah, he's great. He's great, and he is great. Uh, recorded by no one other than no Alfred other than Lyon. Alfred Lyon. Rudy Van Gelder. Rudy Van Gelder. That's one of the two. Is this Blue Note right? This yeah. is Blue Note. Yeah. yeah, this is 19. I think I want to say this is actually like 57. So maybe just produced by Lyon. Maybe engineered, but. It just says recording by Rudy Van Gelder on the on the back here because he was like, "Give me that money." 
Damn right. Yes, I recorded. I was there. I was there till 2 a.m. recording those boys. <laughs> Give me that money. Give me that fucking money. I'm going to re-release this motherfucker in 25 years, too, and I'm going to get more money. Um, so, yeah, an iconic album work um, by uh, Reed Miles, photographed by uh, Francis Wolfe. Um, I just love the Blue Note stuff. I love the recording quality of the Blue Note stuff. I mean, the recording quality to, you know, every album on here is, like, is good. Um and this one definitely doesn't upset, man. That Rudy Van Gelder stuff is just, it's so clean and so crisp and everything sounds so nice. If you want to see a cool history as well on the um, the Blue Note album covers, there's like a six-minute Vox video, like V-O-X, on uh, YouTube that breaks down uh, Francis Wolfe and Reed Miles' uh, relationship and how you sort of start getting these sort of iconically Blue Note album covers. It's pretty cool. It's only six minutes long. It's worth a watch. But... Um, yeah. But yeah. So I, I, I just, I, I, like I really do like this. I think record. like the faster tunes on here are more like, oh, yeah. not super like Charlie Parkery, but like more in like the beboppy sense oh, instead of being much. like in the hard bop sense. There's not like anything like super like just bluesy. Well, the ones I mean, that it, are the backing is, but then he's going hot all over it. Yeah, he's yeah. like hot beboppy over it as opposed to mm. like playing like hard boppy, right? And like Max Roach too is like a bebop drummer as opposed to like mm. he does play in a lot of great hard bop releases, but like he's yeah. more beboppy, I think. And then like that's for me like the fast songs, super like fire playing, pretty like fast and aggressive, but then the slow songs very tuneful, very bluesy, yeah, very beautiful. like expressive in that way. But um, otherwise, if it's a fast tune, it's just like fire ripping, yeah, uh, you know, all all up and down the, you know, yeah. I think the song is nice and easy. Um, I think we were talking about it. Remember the other day, and I yeah. think that for me, if we're picking an album apart, which is like what we do, um, I would just I'd like that as the first track. I like that as the first track instead of a side two. I mean, it's a it's a nice side two opener. But I think that makes a good first track in the way that, like, Blue Train makes the first good track. Um, you know, because it has that, like, it delivers the melody, and then you have, like, the hits. Dun, dun, dun. You know what I mean? You have that sort of back and forth thing uh, that's kind of like an iconic entrance into a jazz album. So it kind of, like, threw me for a I, I like those as side two openers, though, too. Yeah, yeah, they're nice as side two openers. Yeah, um, yeah this one, like, but, this one opens out the gate, like, pretty, pretty mil- hard yeah, and mildew, aggressive. Yeah, yeah. And just like, you know. But yeah. The- but it's a good paced record, I think. Because he gives you the fast and the slow and the sweet and the, you know, kind of the, and the like, popish side of it, I guess, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And if we're doing like intermediate records, like the playing on this record is probably like a bit more like difficult to listen to than probably anything else we've talked about. Yeah. Like in, boppy. in jazz before. Yeah. It's like it's Bobby. So like if you take like the roots of all the other records that we've talked about, like this is that, but just in a different frame of that. And like yeah. that, I think this would be like the first album we talked about jazz wise. That would make somebody like, Ooh, like maybe like tighten up a little bit, but then like you said, certain like, sections of it. Definitely, yeah, yeah. But then like on the ballads, it like, it'll home you back in and give you some kind of grounding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I think Chicago calling, that's like the, that's mm, like the romantic that's, slow. That's, yeah. That's, that's the romantic second slow track. One. Yeah. Second track. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I really enjoyed this record a lot. I'd never heard it before. This is his debut. Did we do three Chicago artists? Three uh, Chicago. Well, was Johnny Griffin from Chicago? I will look that up for you. Yeah, I look that up. This was record. I mean, Rudy Van Gelt. That was recorded in New York. In New York. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's from Chicago though. But this was his debut. Uh, I 
had never heard his solo stuff. I'd heard some of his uh, Jazz Messengers stuff. Also, he actually... Um, yeah, oh, Johnny, he is from Chicago. Yeah. Johnny Griffin recorded with your f- choice from volume one of the Jazz Cats. Yeah, Dex... Uh, not Dex. Eddie Lockjaw. Eddie Lockjaw Davis, Davis. yeah. Um, yeah, his playing is... Like, the boppy stuff I enjoyed, because I've... I've listened to jazz music my whole life, so I'm used to the vocabulary and the like, uh, kind of like screwy stuff. But it's so well phrased, and it's so um, there's, you know, you listen to Bop artists, and you're like, yeah, there's some, we'll call these wrong notes. There's some wrong notes in this shit. He doesn't. He plays it pretty impeccably, um, and I think it's a little easier maybe to do that on sax than like say trumpet because. You listen to some like Miles, even Miles Davis stuff, and you're like, "Yeah, there's some wrong, wrong notes. You're doing some wrong like things." Um, this is pretty spot on. Yeah, and yeah. even the, like the super fast, clean, great tone. Yeah, great the tone. tone. We were like saying we loved like um even like the faster tunes where he does like a run up or down and he like hits it with like a down note. Like, <laughs> a, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like the, like yeah. the honking like um yeah. like you know expression. Mm. stabs on things yeah um yeah, yeah. It's so much fun man i i really like this record is and it, i don't how I don't, how long is it because i can't i can't imagine it's, it's that long 40-ish. either 40-ish 40-ish minutes yeah i think luke's is the longest like 45 also important to remember that like every 37 37 yeah. every record that we're talking about here um well like obviously with jeff's because it was recorded live but this is not recording in the way that people know recording as now. Like, this is a band gets in, like, a really, really nice, like, acoustic room, and they just do takes of songs. Takes and takes and takes and takes and takes until they get the one that they're the happiest with to put it on the album. So every time it's like, all right, take five, this entire song again, let's go. And you just start from the top, and you just fucking you run it through front to back. So much different in terms of the approach and sort of, like... um you know how valuable all of these little musical moments mm. actually are you know what right. i'm saying cuz like somebody could have like a great could take a solo and have a great solo but you know then somebody else kind of like flubs a little bit and they're like all right just try to recreate that solo like you get your shit together let's go take five five six seven. or if it's miles davis he throws a cymbal across the room at you <laughs> playing the wrong notes you motherfucker. motherfucker get the fuck out of this room <laughs> All right, so last question before like we wrap this one up. When yeah. would you like listen to this record? Like what? Because like when? you said, like Sun Ra's like. I would say afternoon. Yeah. Yours was the morning. Mine was the late night. I would say this is an afternoon record, especially because it's it's the energy. It's that four o'clock energy. Yeah, you need in the middle of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For me personally, put a little pep in your step. Right I would agree with that. Yeah, I would say either yeah afternoon or like into the evening. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So, like, if you're driving around in a city, this is nice to just kind of enjoy the city and play while you're, you know, kind oh, of you like... you like jazz in the car. Oh, I love jazz in the car. hate it. I love jazz in the car. It puts such an interesting perspective on the way that you look at the world as you're driving around with jazz in the car. You know what's well, even better than jazz in a car? Steely Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I had to go there. <laughs> that was perfect. You ever see the back of a twenty dollar bill while listening to Steely Dan? Dan? Red Team Go. There's no, a man in the bushes. Better, better than <laughs> better than jazz in a car. Jazz on a speaker when you're riding on a bicycle through a city. Oh yeah. That that is life. <laughs> that is because you feel like you are one with the energy of everything going on. Yeah. 
that was like some of my favorite shit ever. that I haven't done. But yes, driving through, yeah, driving through a city with some jazz on. There's something classy mm. about it. So it helps if you're in like a nice old American car too, or something like that. You know, like an old, like an old Ford Fiesta. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to interrupt this podcast to ask Michael, what old American cars have you owned recently? A 2009 Ford Fiesta. No, it's a 2011. Thank you very much. <laughs> what, what, what vehicle did you own before that, Mike? Before that? Before the Fiesta? What the heck did I have? Was it a German <laughs> BMW? Well, Volvo. Had, I'll say. Oh, oh, yeah. oh no, it was the Volkswagen. Volvo. Yeah. But the Volvo was my fault. I would have still been driving that fucking car if I hadn't totaled it. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, of course, I guess. How, how'd you total it, Mike? I'm surprised that lady didn't die. That's all I have oh, to say. It was very, God very scary. Her. It was very scary. She was very sweet and kind, and I felt very, very bad. She was at a dead stop, and I hit her while doing 50. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was because I came right up around. Crash I came right up, over here. I came right up over the crest of a hill, and she was at a oh, dead stop, and I, I saw her last minute. I was like, fuck, because her driveway was oh, like right there, and it was a oh. main road in Gale. Yeah, right up the road uh, in Gale's Ferry. Yeah. From the McDonald's, like you're coming up that hill. Oh, I know. Right as I came up around that, dude, she was just like oh, dead stopped. I'm like, fuck. And I tried to swerve and I just, I clipped her. But it just, it destroyed the Volvo. I got pulled over around there a couple of days ago. Did you? Do you realize how fast you were going? He said, you're going a little fast. And I didn't, I don't question cops, but I thought, well, I'm a grown ass man and I don't go over 10 miles and over the speed limit because I don't want to get pulled over. So if I was going a little fast, I was, I, was going seven, I was going. <laughs> I was going seven miles an hour over the speed limit. I really got pulled over because I was going seven miles an hour over the speed limit. But he tailed me, and you know they have the they have the cameras that instantly pull up all your information. I didn't know my registration expired six months ago. <laughs> Jesus, I didn't even know. And I was coming back from a gig, so yeah. he, so I I see the whoop whoop whoop, and I go. First thought is. Fuck, I, regardless of what's about to happen, if anything happens, I have every musical instrument that I own in this car right now. Like, yeah. God damn it, what's going on? And luckily, my real, because I really didn't know about my, my registration, and he asked where I was coming from, and he saw, well, your car's packed. I couldn't find my license. Because my car is, when I go to a gig, I have to jam-pack my entire car. Yeah, And I was like, I don't know where I put the, my fucking fanny pack with my under a seat somewhere, behind yeah. a bag somewhere, underneath the amp, behind an amp. I don't know. And he said my registration and my face. I was just like, because I immediately thought, well, you're about to tow this car because you have, like, by law, you have to now. Yeah. And now what the fuck am I going to do with these tubes are going to sit in the cold all night? Oh, we can't have that. <laughs> he let you go. Oh. Though. He he let me go. Like a warning? A warning. And he said, I could... I I should be giving you a ticket for three things for your registration for speeding and for not having your license. And I was like, yeah, "Thank you, good night." <laughs> yeah. And then he gave me a card that said, "I he and he, the way he presented, he said, I met a state trooper." He, he said, "He said I'm gonna give you." I, he said, he, "I I have to give you a ra- a racial profiling card." And I said, and he slipped. He had to me. And I said, "Oh what?" And he looked at me like, "Don't fucking question me." A racial profile. <laughs> And I looked at the card. It says, like, if you feel like you better racial profile. And I was like, uh, okay. There's like, I, I look well, like I'm from the Midwest. And let's be real, man. Three tickable offenses, one towable offense. Yeah. If I was not white. You're like, thank you for this card, sir. I mean, straight up. Like, yeah. unfortunately, I mean, yeah. I say I have to, fortunately, because of the luck of the draw of the skin I was born in. 
But unfortunately, that's the way the world is because if I was not white, I would have been fucked. Remember the time I was speeding home from that gig? And then we got a ticket, and Jade was slurping the McDonald's cup in the back seat. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> just slurping. The, was, cop, the cop, the cop is giving me, like, like a $90 ticket. Yeah. And all you hear is, like, <laughs> And I turned, after I turned around, I was like, could you wait till I was done talking to the officer before but you this, decided to slurp? But this slurp? vanilla milkshake is so delicious. This is exactly what she said. Was it vanilla, too? Uh, pro- I mean, maybe. It's the best milkshake from McDonald's. Chocolate, Ooh, bro. strawberry. Oh, you're a- strawberry. You're right. You're <laughs> right. Large, baby. You're <laughs> the large so isn't wrong. what it used to be, though. The large is like this Says big you, now. don't yuck my yum. No, the, la- the strawberry, my yum. The strawberry I, is... I yuck that saying. It sucks. Oh, my God. Well, as the one who used to make them, which one is actually the best? Which uh, one is the, which should we phrase that? Which one's the cleanest? Because <laughs> it's not the strawberry. Because well, they have to use vanilla with a strawberry thing. Yeah. It's all it's dirty. All <laughs> of it. Nothing is safe. None of it. None of it's safe. Clean. The reason you can't get the thing, you, and they're like, we're cleaning the machine. Let them no. clean it. Yeah. Let them yeah, clean please. it. Trust the me, shit it is needs to be cleaned. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Yeah, because you really think a 17-year-old kid gives a shit about how dirty an ice cream machine is? Dude, I had a lady, like, she used to come in every other Wednesday, and we cleaned the machine every other Wednesday. And she was like, can I get ice cream? And it was like 10 in the morning when you clean it. She's like, I want that nice little bleach flavor in it. And she was like, (laughs) this is never working. And I had to be like, you come in every other Wednesday, right? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, we clean this every other Wednesday. It sounds like the problem. It's you, you fucking idiot. Yeah. Learn yeah. the pattern. Yeah, right. Also, who's eating ice cream at 10 a.m.? What kind of a monster is Dude, that? That was my uh, that was my other point to this woman. I was like, you're She's also like, uh, asking. I need to hop on Sunday by 10:05, or I'm going <laughs> Thank to you. throw a shit. Thank you. I'm like, you are also asking for a a dessert item at breakfast time. Uh, Maybe she works third shift. Fucker. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Well, there we have it. Good Lord. Let's talk about some yeah. stuff we've been listening to. Okay. The Weekly Roundup. Yeah. I've been listening to my heart. I've only been listening. I, I, I've, <laughs> I've only listened to one thing besides besides listening to hours of that Guardians of the Galaxy playlist, which I highly recommend. Very good songs. Um, I listened to an album that I had listened to uh, a, a decent amount of spins before. I really got into it this week. Great gym music. Dua Lipa. Oh, yeah. Future Nostalgia, her album from, uh, let's say, I think 2021, maybe early 2021 or late 2020. Uh, she has a great Tiny Dust concert. She does. Yeah, it is yeah. good. Um, that record, though, is like everything I want from dancey pop stuff. Because it is really like, it's more indebted to that, that, Italian disco type of stuff um that like it's more it's like a souped up donna summer music and it's it's actually like not just like mindlessly catchy there are actual like good hooks and like well done songs and um there you know there she has two or three big big hits off that record but the whole record front to back especially the deluxe edition which has like six more tracks um highly recommend great gym music uh, so you know when you're curling those 15 pound weights. Sorry, you were <laughs> little. I, I pull up my spot. I pull. I pull up my Spotify. Nobody else heard that but us, by the way. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I thought it was the forward arrow, but it was oh, the play okay. button. 
Carry um, on, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, check check that out. Uh, great music, great pop music, and um, yeah, great gym music. Right on. Luca? Uh, I was listening to a lot of jazz this week. I played, you know, the Miles Davis hits, all et cetera. Um, but I also played... Um, wait, wait, what does that mean? The Miles Davis hits, et cetera? You know, I... What are I, the hits? I played Kind of Blue. I said no hits. Okay. Um, I listened to uh, Birth, Birth of, of the Cool. cool. You know, sure. things of that nature. Um, I also... <laughs> no, <laughs> I did yeah. not fucking listen to Doobop. Yeah. yeah, that's that is my Miles Davis album. Did you know that that album is uh, <laughs> produced by Easy Mo B, who produced <laughs> Notorious B.I.G.'s album? Come on now, it's Come not good. Now. Yeah, they were doing it, the you're right. It is not good. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have an emotional attachment to that album as well. And I own it on CD. Still, you ever get a roundhouse kick to the face of one of these bad boys? He's wearing those fucking nylon pants, dude. He's 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 crazy. Um, so crazy. My kind of crazy though. Also, listen to working and steaming. Um, like the, working, steaming, shitting, breathing. Yeah, yeah, he released like four albums and and right before Kind of Blue. <laughs> um, so I listened to two of those. Yep. But um, I listened to Combat Rock this week. By the Clash, um, and uh, I just want to shout out how. Hey. Oh, let's go, guys! Come hey. on. Oh wait, the that's Clash. not. <laughs> this guy was that Ernest? <laughs> no, I'm not joking. That was a bird. What's, um, what's the big? Is that Rock the Casbah on Combat Rock? Yeah, it's also is got. It... Uh, should I stay or should I go? Oh sure, yeah. Um, but so I further implore somebody to listen to this record because it's just got really. It's a really great record to listen to all the way through. Um, it's got this great, um, like, like, like almost like slam poetry verse by, uh, Allen Ginsberg. Um, I think that song is called Ghetto Defender. Um, but that is like my favorite part of this whole, whole record. Um, yeah, Ghetto Defended. Um, and he's like, uh, bust a worm on Acropolis. And he's just like saying all this like crazy, like. (laughs) Stuff. It's a fit, verse fit for two pop. Yes, it's it's like that, but it like it fits so well because it's like Ginsburg and his. Yeah. Uh, it's like just done through this, like this weird like reggae dub mm. clash thing. It, the whole record is stylistically so good. It's also got like um they went on a tour of um I think uh, Japan or China before mm. this album came out, uh, and it's got like a lot of like Eastern influence on it. Um, also, if you haven't listened to this album all the way, the Paper Planes sample um, is uh, on train, this record. Something about train, right? Um, that song is Train uh, in Vain. Nope, that's off. Oh uh, no, you're right. Uh, another album that would be the song. Uh, why can't I think of it? Straight to Hell? Oh yeah, the uh, side one closer. Yeah. So it's got like a a lot of great like reggae and like uh, mm. Vietnamese uh, Asian influence on like some great like you know political stuff that like still holds up today and I, it's it's just a great record and I like to throw it on really loud every once in a while. Is that the one directly after London Calling? Yeah. Maybe. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um. No. Santanista. Santanista. Yeah. It's the album yeah. after Santanista. Yeah. So it's it's the Clash's final statement. I think it's a really really great album. And just for everybody, like just check out the verse by Alan like Ginsburg because mm-hmm. it's just out of nowhere and it's so so good. It makes me smile every single time. So that's nice. Yeah, that's jazz and 
you know, the class. You said Miles Davis records. What today? What would you say is your favorite Miles David re- Davis record? I mean, it's always, it's always kind of blue. Really? Yeah. yeah. I I mean, in for me, I like on that record, like all blues is my favorite tune mm-hmm. on that, and it's. Mm-hmm. I just like the. Boom, you have a favorite Miles boom, Davis record? Um, today I should say. Doobop, no, it's not. I'm just joking. Um, yeah, I, I, I probably have to go with Kind of Blue, just because it's like that was, that was the album where I was like, oh, jazz. You know what I mean? That was my that's that was the thing I plugged into that started the entire journey for me of listening to jazz. That and Doobop, not even not even be funny, but but well, yeah. Another, my cousin Eddie, shout out Eddie. Yeah. He uh he played kind of blue for me for the first time, and I was like, "This is amazing." The oh other God, this is amazing. The other one I'd shout out that I love, I think is like a solid record, is uh Working, the yeah. Miles Davis record. Uh, that one is always up on top of my favorite. The album opener never entered my mind is one of the most beautiful, beautiful Miles Davis songs. Yeah. It's. I like Miles smiles a lot. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, uh, special place in my heart always for sketches of Spain. Oh, see, that's yeah, like, see, that Luke's not a sketches guy. I love orchestral stuff. I, it's like West Side Story. It's like 1950s mu- movie musical. Like I love that shit. Yeah. Yeah. See, like I, I, I can get it, but it's just I right. like Miles Davis. Just jazz, jazz. Yeah. yeah. It's like a, a mute on and just yeah. And for that matter, too, like if I'm listening to Miles Davis, the slower the Miles Davis play is like playing, mm. the the more I like it. Mm. So, another one that I do, I will say that I like, um, is uh, "Man with the Horn." Oh yeah, that came out in like '80s. That was, I think, mm-hmm. that was like when Marcus Miller first linked up with him. Is that the um, moment time after time on it? Uh, might be. Hold on, I'll have to look, but I'm not entirely. Because he sure. does one of those. He does that on, on an '80s record. I know. Uh, let's have a look. See, um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 different, right? Like in terms of Miles Davis, but his entire career, uh, his entire discography, is very explorative, and he goes through all different ter- sorts of, you know, like avenues and sounds and all that stuff. Mm. Um, no, time after no. time is on. You're under arrest. <laughs> you're under arrest. An album I promptly sold at the flea market. Oh yeah, look Not at that good. album. <laughs> it's looking terrible. like a bandito. <laughs> terrible. I remember the kid I sold that to. That kid, the kid I sold that it to, Zorro, was um the dude that also no, bought all of us. Remember when we sold all of our CDs at the flea market? Oh my god! The same I lo- kid that there were so many CDs, CDs. I wish I kept. I mean, I I sold. Uh, no, I sold all my DVDs. I still I have, remember when you sold your. DVDs. I still have my box of CDs. <laughs> yeah, the guys, like I'll give you. a... F- 60 bucks for all of them. I was like, take, take them. them, please. Yeah. I have no way to play this format. Um, <laughs> please. You, you lived with me. That's a lie. Please take them. What I've been listening uh, to this PS2. week <laughs> uh, has been, and I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's worth it. Yes, know, it but, is. Well, it, no. Be honest. It's, it's, well, it's, yeah, it's been, honestly, so I ended up getting myself a Cretan lute. It's called a lauto, right? And uh, my cousin has a lira, which it is sounds like a like instrument. Lauto. So um, it's a luti. So I've just been, man. I'm just going hard on the Cretan folk music because, like, I I obviously yeah. would like listen to it for enjoyment, but now I'm listening to it because I'm actually trying to like learn how to play the music. 
Um, and it has been very challenging, <laughs> yeah. to say the least. I mean, I can pick up on stuff. Uh, I can pick up on stuff really quickly, but to actually make sure like every note is precisely the right note at the right speed and stuff like that, man. There's there's a lot of like technical technical stuff that comes with it, man. Where my hand is like killing me, dude. My fingers hurt. I'm getting the crazy calluses again and stuff because they're doubled up strings too. Um, so just yeah, back yeah, in it, yeah, man. Just back in it. Um, you know, George Xiluris, he's uh, like one of the, you know, he's like one of the guys. But there's uh, like Yanis Harulis, and then there's like other dudes who um, are kind of like old school. So like um, uh, Kaglis, that's like his last name. I think it's Michalis Kaglis. Uh, and then there is, uh, what's his name? Yanis Marco Yanakis, um, who are just classic sort mm-hmm. of like loot players. Um, so yeah, just going down the rabbit hole. It's been a lot of fun to like reconnect you know, with my culture and, like, doing it in, like, a healthy way, not from, like, uh, my only reference point for my culture is, like, the weird sort of uh, old country village guilt that plagues people who have, like, this sort of cultural... The, cur- the curse of the goat. The curse. My family's been cursed before, man. I by know. a goat? Not by a goat, by a family. By the goat <laughs> By himself. The, the goat. If you don't <laughs> carry Madame Zoroni up, right, up the hill. Yeah. Hey, man. That shit's yeah. real. I so. will curse you for always and forever. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what do you know about holes? Come on, man. I know, Stanley Yelnats. <laughs> fucking John Voight, man. Louis Sackar. Who's the woman in that, too? Oh, uh, Sigourney, is it Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver? Weaver. Yeah. Oh, Sigourney. I would thought you were talking about the, the actual. No, like the woman who does the cursing, the great aunt. Uh, or the great, 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 great. Madame Zeroni. Yeah, Madame Zeroni. Yeah, that lady. She voiced uh, Esma in The Emperor's New Groove. I can't remember her name. Oh, Eartha Kitt. <laughs> is that Eartha Kitt? Well, Eartha Kitt was Esma. Oh, okay. So yeah. I don't know if she's in holes. Yeah. She might be. I, she plays. The, she, she was Catwoman on the Batman TV show. <laughs> <laughs> was she really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know. She sang Santa Baby? Yeah. Yo, that Great. scene, that scene where they're digging the hole and the kid's like, That ah! scene where they're digging the hole. You mean the whole <laughs> oh, fucking movie? It's 90 minutes of digging holes. <laughs> the, so movie's the, not, the movie's not called Tent. The, it's called Holes. The, it's one, but the, holes. the girl's like, sorry, Grandpa, sorry. I'm tired of digging this hole. And he's like, you're going to keep digging. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it's fucking so good. I can watch it on a loop. You're going to keep digging. <sighs> oh, man. All right. Well, fucking yellow spotted lizards. Yellow spotted lizards. What was it? The, the jarred, the jarred onions. Isn't that what they're eating? Caveman, bro. Oof, crazy. Think about that. Peaches. 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 Oh, it was canned peaches. Yeah, remember? Why do you think it was onions? Because he does eat onions. Onions oh, on, he top does of the, eat, yeah. on top yeah. of the hill. The peaches make him sick. Onions, oh, yeah. onions and peaches paired <laughs> together very Delicious. well. I can fix that. I can fix that. Can fix You're going to dig that. <laughs> <laughs> keep digging. The one thing that lady couldn't fix or was racism. That's right. <laughs> she couldn't teach racism. And it's it's 80 years later and we still can't figure it out. I know. It's digging up them holes. Yep. 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 So there's, a meta- there's a metaphor there. This yep. ain't no Girl Scout camp. No. <laughs> Life ain't no Girl Scout well, camp. Well, now that this podcast has gone completely off the rails. <laughs> I forgot the train whistle at Come home again. Come on. Man. I f- I we, have, we are conductorless. Once again. All about Once again. I'd like to just sit down I'd and like have a moment. I'd like to use my audio ice cream cone. With the listeners. Uh, it's been a great time here at the music podcast known as Get in the Garage. <laughs> We've talked jazz. Yes. We've talked holes. We've talked strange brew. We've talked total car- totaled cars. Total cars. We've talked police encounters. Police encounters. And uh, I hope uh, what you've really learned is 
to love one another. <laughs> yeah. So. So, wow. Have a good week at wow. school, everyone. Have a good week at school. Yeah. Be safe. Bye-bye. This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information and links to other shows, please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com/podcasts.